hello everybody and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. As you can see, I'm in another slightly different environment this week. Um, I'm in a hotel room in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I'm up here because it's Friday early evening, it's about 20 to 6, and uh, it's the 22nd of July. I'm up here to speak at a conference at one of our sister churches within the CREC. Uh, just a couple of talks tonight and a couple tomorrow, which um, may actually find their way to you guys either via the podcast or um, I, I'm, I think it will be helpful perhaps uh, some of the material that I'll be talking about here is further developing what I've talked about especially with the men at the men's discipleship breakfast in the last few weeks but that's something else to think about for another time. Right now what I'd like to do is to uh, build really a little bit on what I talked about last week in the podcast when I talked about the immense challenge of parenting. Uh, I want to give you some uh, encouragement. Uh, I think, well, I felt sobered by what I was struck by and shared with you last week, and it seems that a few other folks did, just from the emails and correspondence I got and conversations I had. So I want to share with you uh, a complementary biblical perspective to uh, last week's podcast, which um, I hope will encourage you. Just a reminder, last week I highlighted how infrequently in Scripture we find examples of really steadfast, good, long-term parenting. We find all kinds of military heroes and uh, people who stand firm in very trying situations and the Daniels and the Esthers and the Josephs and so on. But we struggle to find great parents, even among the great heroes of the faith. In fact, what we really find among the people of God throughout their history in the Old Testament is lots of really bad parenting. And the thought struck me during a summer camp uh, last week that maybe parenting is a lot more difficult than we realised. I mean, we already know it's difficult. Anybody who's ever had a child knows how hard it is. But maybe, goodness gracious, it's even more difficult and we're in danger of complacency and uh, all kinds of uh, terrible things. And so, yikes, that's sobering. But um, I was reflecting on, on that and just thinking, well, how on earth do we approach this task then? If we want to take seriously the reality of how difficult parenting is, what should we do and what kind of disposition should we have in approaching the uh, task of parenting? And I want to begin uh, just by sharing with you a, a brief story. I've mentioned this before, so forgive me if you've heard it. Um, but I think it's pertinent here. And then I want to uh, reflect briefly on a couple of intertwined biblical and theological themes, which I trust and hope and pray will be encouraging for you. The story um, dates back to the, the early years of um, my and Nicole's own children, Ben, Becky and Abby. And I can uh, remember when Ben was born, as you know, Ben's our oldest, and we felt, like all parents probably feel, somewhat overwhelmed by, you know, this eight, eight pounds of um, uh, squawking um, squeakiness. And um, we weren't sure what to do. We didn't, we'd, we'd planned reasonably well. Um, we'd read lots of books about the practicalities of having babies around and that kind of thing. And we talked to lots of people, but nothing quite prepares you for the shock of having a real live screamer in the household. And um, it was exhausting and overwhelming. I mean, obviously it was particularly exhausting for Nicole, but um, both of us felt slightly out of our depth. And I suspect that feeling is familiar to lots of other parents. And then you scroll forward uh, three and a half years to the birth of our third, Abby, so Becky obviously in the middle. Um, and but by the time the third, uh, our third child, Abby came along, I remember it very distinctly because Nicole's parents very kindly offered to look after um, Ben and Becky for a few days while we had Abby around. They no doubt thought that, my goodness, they've got two kids, they're both quite young, um, there are only small gaps between our three children, 
and then we're adding another one to the pot. How will Steve and Nicole ever cope? We'd better take Ben and Becky away for a few days. And of course, they had a fantastic time with the grandparents. And to our surprise, Nicole and I had a fantastic time as well. Because um, the experience of just adding one baby to the household when there was no other, there were no other kids, toddlers around, was or felt remarkably smooth. And looking back, I don't think it's entirely because of how difficult a baby Ben was and how easy Abby was. I'm sure Abby would like us to, to, to think that. Um, there were, were one or two things that were bumpy in the road when Ben was first born, but nothing too terrible. Um, but I, I think much more of it had to do with the change that God had made in us. What had happened is, and this is the crucial thing that just keeps coming back to me whenever I'm talking to young parents, what happened is we had received gradually in those early years of being parents, day by day, week by week, year by year, from our gracious Heavenly Father, we had received some of the resources that we needed to be slightly less terrible parents. <laughs> we'd, we'd, God had been kind to us. Um, over time, he had supplied our needs. And those two intertwined themes, it seems to me, are really worth reflecting on, particularly for parents, because it's such a demanding uh, and high tariff and important and long-term task. It's one that all parents, we want to get right, we want to do the best we possibly can. So just reflect for a moment on those two intertwined themes. First, that we have all things in Christ. And second, that we receive what we need gradually, one day at a time, as we need it. Think of some biblical texts. Um, I am uh, recently was reading um, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, and the, uh, the first uh, three or four verses um, highlight the, the sense in which the, the call to live in faithfulness flows from a status that we have been granted in Christ. I'll just read it to remind you of it. You know it very well, I'm sure. If then you have been raised with Christ, and the point of the first two chapters is we have been raised with Christ. So um, logically, if not semantically, since we've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Seek those things, not earthly things. And then Paul, of course, goes on to talk about uh, what things we are to seek. Um, we are to put to death um, the passions of the flesh and sexual immorality and impurity and evil desire and so on. And we are to put on kindness, humility, meekness, patience, gentleness and compassion and so on. But notice that all these exhortations flow from a status that we have graciously been granted. You get the same thing in uh, many other texts of Scripture. It's actually built into the structure of um, Paul's exposition of Christian theology more generally um, with the uh, indicative imperative shape of many of his letters. The first half of, for example, Ephesians and Colossians and Romans all uh, clarify some aspect or aspects of what we have in Christ and then on that basis urge us to live in certain ways. And you know, if you know um, Ephesians, you have a transition between chapters 3 and 4 uh, where um, we have been given unity under the headship of Christ in chapters 1 to 3. Therefore, we are to live out that unity un under the headship of Christ in chapters 4 to 6. Well, here in Romans 6, um, you get a kind of similar theme. Um, in the first few verses, 
Um, we have died to sin. We have put our old lives behind us. We've done that by faith. That is to say, by being united to the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in relation to sin. We've died to sin because of him. He has granted us a share in his death, and so we have that new life in him. And therefore, on that basis, we are urged to put to death the sins of the flesh. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. You must consider yourselves dead to sin. Don't present your members to sin, but rather present yourselves to God, and so on and so forth. So notice again what's being uh, said here very clearly. The imperatives that we hear and feel are not uh, a very long and slippery rope up which we must crawl with bleeding hands to try and drag ourselves out of the mire that we have found ourselves in. It's a completely wrong way of thinking about the Christian life. We have been lifted up out of the mire that we found ourselves in and seated at the right hand of God in Christ in the heavenly places. And now he, our big brother, gives us what we need to live, to serve him. We've been raised with Christ, Colossians 3. We've died to sin. We're alive in him. So don't jump down into the swamp again, presenting the members of your body to impurity and ungodliness, but seek rather to live in faithfulness and maturity and wisdom and godliness, living out the status we've been given. And I'm conscious, I'll be quite honest with you, I think um, often uh, preachers, myself included, in our uh, zeal and sense of urgency to press upon our hearers, you guys, the urgency of repentance and the significance of uh, tackling various aspects of our sinfulness and our immaturity, we can sometimes make it sound like we do need to drag ourselves out of the mire. And that's a mistake. We, we, we I, uh, ought more clearly to articulate this, what I'm articulating today, that is that every call to repentance, every call to faithfulness, every call to maturity and, fa and faith and kindness and graciousness and all those other virtues is a call to, to live out and exemplify what Christ has bestowed upon us by his grace. So in very practical terms, it means parents, you can do it. You can do it. God has not given you a kid and withheld from you the capacity to be a great mum or a great dad. Now, he may not have given you all of the circumstances or all of the material resources or uh, all of the sleep or all of the ease or all of the vacations and comfort that you might like. That's not the same thing. But he has given you all the resources you need to be a great parent. And it's just worth stopping for a second and thinking. Sometimes you, you look around at your children and you see another you know, uh, hundred weight of... Um, toys scattered all over the lounge floor and another evening of tidying them up again and oh my goodness what am I going to do and everything feels slightly overwhelming and uh, in all those circumstances where you feel slightly overwhelmed it's just worth pausing and saying look this is not I'm so useless I have to drag myself out of being a terrible mum or a terrible dad no this is um, the next opportunity that your big brother the Lord Jesus Christ has granted you to show the faithfulness and the resilience and the toughness and the steadfastness and the patience and the cheerful love for your children. The next opportunity is giving you to show all those things. Here it is. It's scooping up all the toys they've left lying around. Or maybe it's cajoling and encouraging, not cajoling, encouraging and challenging them to do so. So that's the first thought. Now just briefly, the, the second. 
Um, uh, notice uh, the other lesson that um, we learned back in 2007 when Abby was born and that uh, perhaps we all need to learn again and again, um, that we receive what we need one day at a time, so to speak. Uh, we receive gradually what God knows that we need gradually. Uh, this actually is a, uh, a more fundamental point of Christian theology than we might have realized. It, it connects to uh, what I've been talking about on and off in recent months as we've, as we've been going through the book of Joshua. But one of the points that uh, is made back in Exodus and back in Deuteronomy and then is, is certainly lived out in the book of Joshua is that this conquest of the land is a gradual one. Um, it's not something that the people of Israel are going to accomplish all in one go. They're going to need to show steady long-term faithfulness. And of course, part of the reason for that is because built into the fabric of the promises to Abraham and his children are promises to multiple generations. So it requires a multi-generational faithfulness inherently in order to live out um, the commitment that the Lord calls us to show him. He promises to be God to us and to our children and to our children's children for a thousand generations of those who love him. And part of that promise is to, uh, for the Israelites to inherit the land and that fulfilled in Christ uh, and in his body, the church, that we inherit the world, Romans 4, and seek to live discipling the nations in Jesus' name, that's something that is worked out gradually through the generations. And sometimes we become very impatient because uh, we wish that we could change this thing or that thing or the other thing about our society or our, our lives like now. And that's just not the way that God has structured the world. He's made it. Big picture eschatology is gradual. And what scripture says about big picture eschatology, it says in all kinds of different ways about individual eschatology, individual life, mirrors and maps onto the life of the community of the people of God and the whole of human history. So, for example, think of um, the imagery that's sometimes used. The people of Israel are like a tree, but individual people are like a tree, Psalm 1. Uh, individual people are like a microcosm of uh, the history of the people of God. And then you see individual biblical texts, and these things just come to life when you realize what they're saying. In, in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. And it's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Obviously, it's a request for um, uh, food, you know, physical material sustenance. It's a good thing to ask God for that. But bread, I ask you, come on, that has to do with much more than just physical bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Don't work for the bread that spoils, but for the bread that endures to everlasting life. So what we're being urged to pray for in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer is the resources to live with faithfulness today. Lord, give me today what I need. Give me today the resources that I need to do what I need to do today. Not to worry about tomorrow. Again, another exhortation of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But worry about today. Today has enough trouble of its own. Think of the manna in the wilderness. Probably this is in the background of the Lord's Prayer, at least in some sense. And they were The Israelites were specifically told, except on the day before the Sabbath, only to collect the bread for today. And part of what's going on there is that the whole experience of life in the wilderness is a, an opportunity for them to live in faith and faithfulness by trusting the promise of God. I'm going to trust that you're going to give me today what I need today. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Will there be food out there tomorrow? Oh, Dad, you better get five times as much as we need because uh, we'll never be able to survive if God doesn't show up tomorrow and feed us. Well, no. 
He won't, he won't be able to survive if he doesn't show up tomorrow and feed you. But he's promised that he will. Tomorrow, he'll show up and feed you tomorrow. Today, he's going to show up and feed you today. So that's the exhortation that flows from the manna in the wilderness account. It's to seek from God today what we need from him today. And this suddenly gets really practical, like really practical. If you just think, um, consider some really concrete circumstances. A number of mums in the church are very, very close to giving birth. Uh, I can't imagine, you ladies, many of you will know firsthand or be able to imagine more easily um, what it's like to be carrying around uh, a large weight of an, another person in, and just thinking, I just want to get this baby out and into <laughs> this side of the world and and to get on with the next stage and it's sleepless nights and it's indigestion and it's exhaustion and everything else. Well, um, how long have you got? Maybe you've got a week, maybe you've got a month. Well, right now you've got a day. And can you approach the challenges of the next week or the next month by self-consciously thinking, okay, what I need to do today, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, is to get through today, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, with faithfulness and with cheerfulness and so on and so forth. I'm reminded of um, a friend of mine uh, from years back um, who had all kinds of personal struggles actually in various ways and, and um, one of the little mantras he learned from um, a particular counselling ministry that he went to was, um, I'll, I'll clean it up for you because it has some bad language in it, but he said, uh, if you're washing the dishes, wash the dishes. In other words, Let's focus on what we're doing now. Or perhaps more generously, let's focus on today. What do I need to do today? As I seek to receive from the living God what he has promised to give me today as I seek to live faithfully for him. Now, the wonder of this is that by living faithfully day by day, by striving to be Christ-like and to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit that his Spirit bestows upon us day by day. By his grace, we look back over a year and we think, well, I'm not the train wreck I could have been. Um, we'll slip up and stumble and fall. And part of that living by faith is to return to the Lord in repentance and confession when we do that, which we will. But uh, a year or a decade or three or four decades of faithfulness is made up of hundreds and thousands of individual days of faithfulness and right now you need to handle today today if you hear his voice don't harden your hearts give us today our daily bread and that is the way i'm convinced to overcome the problem i set before you last week the immense challenge of parenting is actually the way to overcome every other problem pretty much that you're likely to run into every other opportunity you're likely to be granted in the christian life to seek every day one day at a time be faithful to the living God and to trust him to provide for you everything you need as you do so, because he will do so. All right, I think that'll do. I'm looking forward to seeing you all again this Sunday. By the time this comes out, it will be Monday, and I'll have seen you already. Um, I think we may have the next couple of weeks some of the material from this conference um, here. If, if it seems that it might be helpful, I'll put that out on the podcast. Um, but uh, we'll decide that in the next uh, few days or so. Uh, other than that, I think that'll do for now. God bless you, and see you next time. Bye for now.